All right. Hello and welcome to the Backwards Infect. I'm here as always with my brother Luke. I am Kane and we are talking all things presence. Um, we are trying to wake to our present selves or find us awakened to our present selves and are interested in sharing what we have come to understand. If anybody's interested in talking, you can find us at Twitter at The Backwards Infect. And you can also find us at Gmail at The Backwards Infect. And if you are curious what type of conversations we would have under that format, we have a podcast up um, from last week with our brother Brian that went uh, very well. Um, we sit and we chat and we talk about how we can further our spiritual development. And as you can tell, I'll push on his ego a little bit. I'll pull on his ego a little bit. But we all just move forward in our spiritual journey. And uh, Brian was a great first guest. So thank you, Brian, for being on. Today, I think we, just Luke and I, we have a topic and a title to start ourselves off. And that is The Devil's Advocate. So Luke, what did you have in mind for The Devil's Advocate? Uh, so originally when I thought about the devil's advocate, I was, I was driving down the road and I think that first podcast we had, that was kind of that format. Um, I mean, we had, didn't name it or anything, but callers obviously make the show and having you as a, a devil's advocate is really just asking the question that a listener may be wanting to ask but is not on the show at the time so i think questions make the show what comes from questions and uh the best kind of present provoking questions are the devil's advocate type questions um so i thought it thought it was a good place to start for us this evening I, when you said that originally, I thought it would be a great, um, just consistent theme on the show, especially mm -hmm. if we end up having a guest where it's just, do I have permission to play the devil's advocate? So you're just, you're letting them know, okay, I'm going to try to take the other side and, and play the voice in your head. And whether it's me or whether it's you, I think it would be an interesting um, dynamic to just get it out in the open and ask permission. Do I have permission to play the devil's advocate? And uh, so I, I really liked it when you uh, came up with a concept. Yeah, I could tell. I just, it just hit me one day and uh, um, it's a perfect title for a podcast too. I think it's, um, something that would spark some interest just just with that title alone because um, the devil's advocate is like you said the voice in your head but also from person to person um and so relatable to so many people and i think it's a good way to help people see that are listening um because i remember that first podcast that we we thought wasn't the greatest and man i Turns out like the one that we thought that we had a lot of energy in, which was live golf and thought that it was going to be like, wow, we hit our stride there. Oh, no, no, no. That was it was kind of ego popping in there like, hey, you need to you need to make it a 
entertainment show and it was it was like a slap in the face like no you need to be luke you need to be kane you need to be present you need to do what you were supposed to do and i mean i live golf was it was a good podcast but i mean if you just look at popularity it's like the least downloaded uh, right right episode (laughs) so it didn't really hit on what we were trying to do uh but i mean i still like that one too i didn't think there was uh, anything wrong with it i just know what was happening to me before that and the thought processes and i never want that to happen again so i, I learned something from that for sure i the uh the devil's advocate as my brain picks it apart gets really interesting because if you can find yourself just letting the energy of your body let the energy of your body naturally come up to your head and introduce itself as thought. And especially if you can go for a little while. So you end up telling yourself a story or you're having a conversation with yourself and you could even have the experience of kind of waking up. Like if you're driving somewhere and it's like, Whoa, how did I get all the way down here? Like I kind of put myself to sleep with the own, my own conversation in my head. But the devil's advocate is interesting because you can be on point with a good idea and you can exhaust what that good idea is, but the devil will not let it rest. It advocates for the energy to stay in the head. So it starts attacking whatever the idea is from the other side. And when I used to, for this, and I think for us and for the podcast, we're not really necessarily interpreting things as like the devil and god or good and evil it just rep the devil represents the thing that is bringing you away from presence and if you let those thoughts tumble around in your mind you can get all the way through a good idea you can get all the way through a good story but it doesn't stop there the devil steps in and wants to advocate for more wants to advocate for more and if you're not paying attention, it'll go on until you're just exhausted. Very good point. Um, yeah, the devil and the word God, I mean, words have often been played out to their extremes. So um, good point as far as explaining where it's coming from. I know um, when I was talking to Brian, he really kind of enlightened me on something. I had a, I had a light bulb moment that went off in me. Um, Cause we were talking about um, a question, a question that I used to ask myself, how do I know I'm a good person? In a quick summary, I spent a lot of time thinking about it, and I came up with the answer. Um, if given the choice, I would rather not see suffering. So that's where I wound up. But it's very, very interesting because Brian kind of blew me away because I spent a lot of time thinking about that question. I mean, we're talking over a year I was coming back to this question. And I was thinking back, like, 
how do my deeds, you know, there's a certain amount of stuff I've done good. There's a certain amount of stuff I've done bad. And where, what does that equal? So add up your deeds in the past. And how do you know that that's a good person or a bad person? And then projecting it in the future, like what kind of choices do I want to make in the future? How do I know I'm a good person or a bad? But Brian changed the question just a little bit and brought the question into presence and said, how do I know I've made a good decision? That was very, very interesting because he showed a lot of spiritual maturity there and he took the question and brought it into presence in order to analyze the, the question. So I was very impressed with that. So much so that it revealed that there was information I was hiding from myself in that question. So I'm perfectly comfortable confronting uh, my own ignorance. I would even say I'm comfortable at this point confronting my own stupidity. I'm, I'll put out there that that's always a possibility. But from my perspective, I spent so much time thinking about that question, and it never once dawned on me to do what he did to bring the question into presence like that and ask it just a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean with the trickery of the ego. It will stop you from answering a question like that. It will withhold information. Therefore, you keep going with this question that you're asking yourself. Because what Brian did is answer the question. And he stopped the question. And, and the question does end there. Switch it a little bit. How do I know if I made a good decision? And he did it within a matter of moments. What took me a much longer time than that. So it's a great example of what's going on with the ego and in terms of understanding the trickery it's understanding when you've been betrayed by your own thoughts what is the betrayal the betrayal is keeping me from a question that i'm asking out loud and i have the desire to know then it uses that and but you think you're moving forward towards an answer but you're not. You're moving forward to just perpetual motion to just pull energy out of your body and into your head. Uh, yeah, that's a. I mean, I could see that clearly just when you described it just now. Um, perpetuating that energy. I mean, you're creating, like we've talked about, you're creating entities or energies within yourself, whether you are aware of it or you're not aware of it. Correct. So the rabbit hole is so deep um, for good and bad. Uh, Correct. So, and, and thus you can see all the mental illness around us that, um, you know, we can create evil people as well. But that's why the devil's advocate is so important because you will, you will be at conclusion, but it will not stop. You will, you will be at a place where it should be at rest, but it will not stop. The devil will advocate 
more and more and more anything it can do rather than sit and be quiet and just realize your own presence. And so obviously uh, people that are listening are, you're getting some kind of payoff from a feeling of, uh, I guess for what you would say would be pride. Um, a sense of pride and in, in solving your own problems in your head. Oh, it's a huge payoff. Explain the payoff. So, the, I mean, because the payoff is what keeps you, you know, from the truth that could set you free. So what, what is the payoff as far as just the energy of pride? No, I, I don't think it's the energy of pride. It's like, for example, if we use that same question, how do I know I'm a good person? I hit a good stopping point at if given the choice, like I thought this was brilliant. If given a choice, I would choose to witness not suffering. So if like I was God, I would just choose like, let's just stop the suffering. Well, clearly I'm a good person. So there's a stopping point there where you can put that question to rest. In my case, you put that question to rest. It doesn't matter because there's 35 questions waiting behind that one. But that one in particular, you can let that one rest. And now the payoff is I solved it. It's a kind of a like a breath, like, um, okay, I figured that one out. It's as if on your adventure, like you've hit a little bit of a level up or whatever, and you let that strengthen your position of the self and what you know and what you figured out. So the payoff is opposite. The payoff is deeper in the cocoon of comfort that you're creating for yourself. Like check, I can mark that one off. That one's good for a while, but even... Like I said to Brian back then, even when I've concluded, it ends up coming back again and you examine it again one day and then you end up throwing out that answer and the whole process starts over again. So it, if there is a payoff in terms of like an actual positive payoff, it's just a breath from that question to let it rest for a little bit. Correct. So someone wanting relief from that, there has to be uh, a certain amount of suffering. Like you had suffering, there was a certain amount that perpetuated itself to get to a certain point to where you wanted to pull back from that um, so that you could get some kind of relief. Um, well, I never even knew I wanted relief. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Well, the angry weekend, that was pretty. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's a the, the couple of days there you want to release yeah. from anger. But so if it's, the... if it switches from like inquisitory to like more emotional and you're not used to dealing with um, consistent emotions, like we're all married, we all have kids. Like I think everybody's, has um 
some tolerance in terms of like what they'll deal with emotionally. And so my emotional tolerance was just surpassed. And it's like, I'm just tired of feeling this feeling. And every time I try to um, investigate, I'm just pulling the energy up into my head. And then it just is manifesting as anger. So I'm going to talk about some of my routines and I want you to play the devil's advocate with me. Um, I, oh, he's asking, add, yeah, he's I'm asking, and asking I'm, I'm having, I'm, I feel like, writers, I feel like a writer's block tonight. I don't know what it is, but I think I need some questions to like jump me alive. Cause I, I really did a lot of meditation today and I, I mean, my vibration, um, I'm here. Um, I'm just trying to get the flow going. Um, but if I see my mind going round and round, my first thought is to go sit down and, and pull back from those thoughts and, and a meditative, even if it's driving down the road, do it, uh, get in a meditative state to where I pull back from those thoughts and, and watch them go by as though they're not a part of me. And that's hard to do for, I think the average listener, because it's almost like detaching from, from who you think you are. And my question, I guess I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate back to you, but if, if you are going to detach from thought, the fear of who that person is beyond who you know, how do you get past that? How do you get past the hardest thing and the most painful thing, especially for a beginner, is the cliche of laying down your life. And, and saying that lightly means pulling back from the real of intellectual thought of who you think you are. And when you even think about the thought of you not being that, the fear comes in. And how do you overcome the fear? Because the ego has so much fear of dissolving. And we talked about the different types of awakenings, you know, summer rug pulls. Me, I feel like I pushed through. And I know how I got past it, but the fear for, for the average listener of just how do you get past that? Knowing what on the other side is, uh, what is that like comparatively? Who are you then? Who are you then? Yeah, there is a lot of fear there. I mean, who are you then is a real easy answer. I mean, you are exactly what you were before. So, I mean, we use the, we use the dissolve ego or the ego death, but yeah, I think it's just the way that it's talked about. And I think the way people uh, imagine it is just not the same. I mean, you could say like, if you're a drop of water and you get placed in the ocean, like how do you ever understand yourself as a drop of water again? Like you'll never be able to distinguish yourself from the ocean. 
but the experience and you don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take your word for it. I mean, you can, that's where it's good to actually go through the spiritual teachings because it's very, very consistent. Everybody says the same thing. What the loss is not what you think it is. And it's, it's just the authority switches from the form and the conditioning to something much greater that you're connected to. And then you understand very easily and very quickly that what you're gaining is so much more than what you're losing. And the stuff that you're losing is just all that stuff that has conditioned itself to make you miserable or all that stuff that has conditioned yourself to um, make you feel good. All that stuff that has conditioned yourself to do anything. And now you can sit back and nothing has to come through and you can, you can play a much more authoritative role and you can specifically let the good in and you can hold the bad off. It ends up being, it's a control mechanism. I want to um, talk specifically about the control mechanism and the hypnotic force and how those thoughts become circles and how it becomes entity and how it becomes a part of you to where you're somewhat blinded and escaping. But think of anything that happened in your life that you reacted to internally and you added resentment with it, which is a, a powerful emotion. It does not leave your body until you understand what the word forgiveness means because forgiveness to a person is a very very difficult difficult concept especially in the mainstream world forgiveness is let me walk up to you i forgive you for doing this to me it's a statement like hey i forgive you for for doing that to me and and people even get the concept by saying you have to forgive this person for you to be free and and that statement is totally true but i think what people miss about that whole perpetuation and especially the way that my awakening happened is things you know unravel then they pop up and you see things that have been spinning in your head for maybe 10 years maybe 15 years that create this energy of um the dark side in you that makes you who you are and there's not a more beautiful thing than being in that pain and something coming up in your mind's eye that 
I mean, it could be anything. It could be God awful. It could be something very, very small. I mean, that when you're not awake, it doesn't take, but just the simplest thing that you could react to and you could have, you know, a resentment wheel in your head for years. And that's hypnotic. That's why, you know, if you're angry or emotional, then the person that is not angry or emotional can actually um, induce a, a hypnotic force on a person only due to their own um, inability to not be in the correct emotional state. Or in your case, you can be woken up. But there's there's only two choices where you can go in the fork in the road at, at that point. But getting back to the forgiveness, seeing it for the first time, and this was a big learning curve for me as far as unraveling the systems that are built in you. Because if you see something in your mind's eye, a person or a situation that you just didn't think went your way and, and you were resentful inside, you had that energy inside and you see that, in your mind's eye, and, and if something say happened five years ago, you can feel the resentment in your body, but you feel it in a different way. You just observe it. That's where the pain comes in. We talk about the excruciating pain around the heart area in this area because it's actually releasing out of the body. So when people say forgiveness is about you, not about them, they're 100% correct. But I think 99% of the people don't know it's 100% mechanical. It's I, you can't go up to someone and say I forgive you, and that in your thoughts and you're still going around in circles. If you don't know the mechanism of it, then you're not going to truly forgive someone. So once you know that forgiveness is not is is about not resenting. For example, even if you see any kind of horror on TV. You know, you could start to hate that person, but just forgiveness is just the pullback of resentment. It's just pulling back from the temptation to resent. And that's forgiving right there. It's not an act of saying anything. It's an act of pulling back. The resentment wants to creep in because you see someone and Jesus was the master at it because he had thousands of people watching him die on a cross and he pulled back from resentment and look what happened. Like he pulled back from resentment on the, on the, on the last breath, like how, how committed is that? So all, all we're saying is start unraveling things that are at least negative, at least start with the negative things, start with the things that have been controlled. Great point. Yeah. And th those are the easiest ones to see. Yeah. Maybe it was a bully at school or, you know, so start with the most obvious and just start unraveling them and use it as, as an example of who do you hate? Like everyone who's asleep has some kind of object. They have some kind of person could be a parent. And it's not, not to say that we don't have compassion for, for parents. Uh, but normally one of the biggest topics or the biggest candidates for a hate figure is a parent. Not even, it doesn't even have to be like an abusive parent. It's just, it's just one of those generational things. So as an experiment, 
try to see it's the I ones you it. love that end up can causing the most pain yeah but then yeah. It, see that in your mind's eye as an experiment of of what i'm talking about just pull it up and look at the person in your mind's eye and see what you feel and you could be surprised that wow i have to forgive a person to starting with the bad is yeah because if not i think the system it's almost as if you know like when you're sleeping and then you know there's different levels of sleep you know there's sleep and then there's like deep rim sleep i think it's it acts kind of in that same type of way because if you don't do exactly what you're saying and you just unconsciously keep bringing up resentment that just hits the head and then it'll go around it's a perpetual motion machine and the devil's advocate will make sure it doesn't stop but then that process of it rattling around in your head actually puts you into like deeper rim sleep like you literally just bored yourself to death and then that energy that you create just settles down settles down in your body and goes all into your cells and now you've got this vibrational energy on the lower frequency in your cells and it and now it's just sitting there and it's just waiting to be activated again so you're just storing that resentment and either the same person or somebody else will trigger that same vibrational frequency but you're you're creating pockets of negative entity inside your own cells that will just continue to act activate until you're miserable and you don't know why the devil's advocate they deserve to be hated because of the atrocity or whatever they did to me they deserve to be hated that's to you as far as what the devil's advocate in the head would say um especially when you're starting to unravel and you have I mean, I don't have an example, but I'm, I mean, sure, people have some pretty crazy examples of people that know I'm going to hate this person because they deserve it. That's what the voice in the head says. Yeah. And that's that kind of goes towards pride. That's in, ends up being why it's so important to understand pride and it's so important to, uh, to stay on the good side, too, because you always have that side of the of the personality, that side of the interaction. And it could even be like a higher vibration. It won't be down there with resentment. So you think you're taking a couple levels up, but all that's doing is it's teaching you to understand when you're right. So the problem with I deserve it is more than likely you're going to have like a lot of good reasons why that's the case. And more than likely you're going to be right. I mean, if your dad beat you up, I mean, he does deserve it. This is not a right or wrong thing. It's, That's a good it's point. not a right or wrong thing, but you're going to be stuck understanding that he deserves it. And as far as you're concerned, when you're asleep, you're going to be right. Nobody's going to tell you that you're wrong for resenting your father. Nobody's going to have the power to tell you that. Rebuttal. Stop the right and wrong game. Forgiveness has nothing to do with right or wrong. It has nothing to do 
with with anything all forgiveness has nothing to do with anything other than freeing yourself which is a pullback from resentment you're you're saying i'm not going to like internally store energy and resent this person even though they do deserve it you're going to pull back from the resentment then it is not a right or wrong situation you're not right for pulling back you're not right it has nothing to do with anything as far as language has to do with everything as far as a shift in your consciousness of pulling back a uh submit inside internally submitting pulling back pulling back is the only way i know how to describe it but it's a shift i mean you can actively be resenting someone in your head take a breath and pull back from it and be aware that you just did every time it pops up again do the same thing if it does it 10 times and it's gone you've forgiven You've forgiven. You've forgiven them and you're forgiven for hating. Works both ways. You yeah, get, get love back and then you give love, but it's but it was neither right or wrong. Yeah, I totally agree. And just to add on to it, because we keep saying pull back, and that is that is exactly right. But the mechanism for pulling back. I think we can go a little bit deeper in and is awareness. Like, it's awareness, but okay, even the mechanism of awareness. So I, I think a lot of people would benefit from taking a moment or, or taking, you know, a half hour on a weekend and just with yourself, like, within a meditative process, just, or maybe writing down in a journal, come up with like two or three questions, maybe even as many as five, like what makes me angry? Um, what makes me sad? Um, why am I a good person? I mean, there's whatever these questions are, the questions aren't important, but have a set of questions that you are working towards and have that be something honest with yourself that you want to know the answer to this question. Like what makes me angry? Have that question and have the answer. So my dad beat, by the way, we had the same father. Our dad did not beat us, (laughs) but have the question. So my dad makes me angry because he beat me. So that's a completely justified question there so if you ask yourself what makes me most angry the answer to that question in that situation would be my dad get those questions answered it doesn't matter what the answer is don't really worry about them being right and wrong now the awareness so just paying attention to the thoughts and just trying to observe as the thought comes up and then trying to deserve, okay, what's the devil's advocate play going to be here? How is it going to keep this question bouncing around in my head? That pullback happens naturally when you can start to pay attention and watch the ego 
steer you away from the answer. You've already committed to the answer. Why is the ego steering you away from the answer? Why is the ego withholding information? Because as soon as you can, if the awareness gets there and you can have one second where you can see the ego working against you, immediately it's a pullback. Like, wait a second. I've already been over this. I know what makes me angry. I've already answered this question. Like, but now the ego wants to like introduce like another thing. Oh, so this makes me more angry than my dad. You see what I'm saying? Like, it'll pull you away. It'll add information. It will withhold information. You're just increasing your confidence on deciphering what ego activity is. Well, yeah. And it's making sure that you've taken the time to like give yourself some aware um, points of reference. And really, the more you can do that, probably the better. Because then as the ego, you know, so you could say like, you know, I love my wife and I want to be married and happy. It's like, why is the ego thinking about, you know, other women? You know, I love my job. Why is the ego trying to talk to me into another job? Like watch the ego point you in directions that you've already decided you don't want to go. Mm -hmm. And that creates a pullback. Like, what did you just say? Are you talking to me? Like, I thought I'm driving this ship. Who the hell are you? And that creates a moment of separation. And that instead of like in a meditative sense, which I mean, if people can do that, that's great. If you can just naturally pull back. For me, it was almost like I was pushed back. It was almost like not even a, a voluntary pullback. It was like I knew I had to step back because something was going on that was working against me. There is betrayal within, within the system. Yeah. It's effortless for sure. Yeah. You're, and you're talking after your awakening too, right? Well, I mean, after the awakening, it's, I mean, the pullback is so much more natural after the awakening. Right. Gotcha. So we uh, we had uh, empathy on here to talk about too. Did you want to get into that? Boy, do I. <laughs> Boy, do I. Yes. Yeah. So I've had. <laughs> so I've been married for a while, and um, last night. I had a dream, one of the first dreams I can remember. I mean, I had one massive one when I first woke up, but I've been sleeping fairly dreamless. But uh, last night, I dreamt the dream of your wife cheating on you. And it was crazy because it was super vivid. And I got so mad. I mean, like explosive mad. In the and dream? In the dream. Yeah. It was very, very weird. And I, I woke up with just like, like I was watching a movie with just like a big smile on my face. But I've been with my wife for like 17 years. And that's a recurring dream for her. 
in reverse. I've never had that dream before. And that's on the heels of a couple of other episodes where I'm starting to understand empathy in very, very deep ways. And I can give you two examples. Um, my daughter, who's on summer break, obviously, and uh, she's got a camp coming up, so she's a little bit nervous about a camp. It's Saturday morning. I woke up perfect. I'm humming along. I, I'm, I'm not in any kind of emotional state. I feel great. It's Saturday. I'm not going to work. But she comes up to me and she's engaging me and she's anxious about, you know, the camp that's coming up. And we talk for about 10 minutes and she goes upstairs, stomps upstairs. And as soon as she leaves my presence, I sit there, I'm, you know, drinking my coffee and I take a breath and I'm like, oh, what's in my chest? Like chest was super tight. And for me, I can investigate that feeling that I don't understand. So I'm like, all right, let's take a look at this. And I focused, brought the energy up to my head. So I let thought go in an investigative manner. And immediately I'm anxious about work next week. So I wasn't anxious before, but after talking to my daughter about being anxious and now I'm anxious and it's manifesting in me as actual anxiety about what I've got going on. Interesting. And then the last one, I think it was the next day. And I also wake up very, very relaxed. My morning wake up routine is very, very relaxed. It's very, very spiritual. I do like a full body check. I get my energy and my pulse and my blood flow. I mean, it's, it's a very pleasant experience for me to wake up especially on the weekends when it's not rushed and i don't have to you know get up and uh get moving for work so i had a certain energy flow that was blissful and i was comfortable with and my cat came up and sat on my shins and the cat when she sits down i can hear her she's already humming she's And it was immediate. My feet matched her energy. Like instead of just her in the purring, like I can feel it in my feet. But then it kept swirling, got up to my knees, and it just came all the way through my body, all the way to my head. And on the inside, like I'm purring with the cat. It's just swirling <laughs> around in there. And I think I'm understanding myself now as empathic. Like I feel, I think I'm feeling what other people are feeling. Yeah. That'll be interesting moving forward. Cause that's definitely something to explore as we delve further into the dynamic duo, I guess, so to speak <laughs> on how, how things are going to work. But I, I totally see what you're saying. I, I think you're onto something as far as that goes. I mean, I there's stuff that comes into my body and I don't know if I've just been a, not aware of it or if it comes from me or if it comes from other people, but um, I, I definitely haven't had anything on that level. I think you might have something special there that's um, just, just for you. 
Um, and it'll be interesting. See, I got a question see. about that. So, because I, I don't know, I mean, I, if, if you imagine like a number line, so let's do it, let's do a 10 digit number line. So at 10 is joy, enlightenment, and at zero is despair and suicidal, right? Mm -hmm. So five would be neutral. Mm -hmm. Is an empath somebody that just sits at five? So they're always neutral. So when they're introduced to frequency, they just join that frequency. Oh, that's a very good point. I, I, I mean, I think that's presence in itself. I think someone who is awake sits at a five all the time, no matter now, your certain spiritual gift that you may have may lead you to be able to do something that so, say no, I can't necessarily do. But that's an interesting diagram, the 10 and the zero and five, because I think everyone who's awake sits at a five. And, you know, what make, may make me go to a seven or eight is just the right question. And I light up and I'm, you know, I get joyous back or, you know, I, there's many different things that would, would make me come alive. And there's many different things that it seems like would make you come alive. I mean, the reason I say that is because I'm a five, I'm sitting, just say I'm sitting in the chair in the house and I'm present and I'm looking at the wall. I'm just at a five. Now, if I want to say, okay, I want to interact with the universe a little bit, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to sit at, uh, sit in my chair and look at the trees and the birds and start interacting with nature and the universe. And I think I can put myself at a 10, but I think presence is always at a five always there's a good point that you made there but i mean i think where the way you see it there's something else at play there um going backwards though it's hard to well i, I mean you just explained that as well i mean if you started to feel anxiety it wouldn't have been a five anymore you'd have gone back to a three or four trying to right. put yourself back even keel at a five right and you know the more joyous times in life are you know, obviously you light up when you, when you have a present conversation with someone and they start asking the right questions and it just becomes like the supernatural event and you're radiating, radiating out of 10, but it's a very good point to, I, I think Eckhart Tolle is at a five all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're all at, at, at a five. And then they, they can, you know, start to reverberate as, as they're playing with any particular person or nature or conversation. I can feel it with me. Yeah. I used to have a trigger word with um, psychic used to kind of be a trigger word for me and I kind of keep coming back to it where 
I'm definitely looking at that word a little bit different. And actually, if you investigate it, I think that word is just different than what I've always considered it. But like if you're sitting at a five and I don't know anything about tarot cards, I haven't investigated tarot cards, um, but it, it brings up an interesting point. If I'm sitting at a five and I'm sitting with somebody else and I'm not necessarily feeling anything from them. So let's say maybe they're just kind of naturally neutral as well, or they're just having like a day and they're feeling natural neutral as well. If you flip that card and that card has meaning, I mean, maybe the meaning needs to be spoken or maybe the meaning is already understood by somebody who understands tarot already. That meaning would cause emotion to that person. And then if you were empathic, you would be able to also feel that emotion. Right. So I, I'm like, is psychic just feeling emotions? I think you're onto something there as well. Um, because there's a lot of feeling when it comes to to psychics. Yeah, for sure. Because you wouldn't know. I mean, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's a bad thing. Like it's like kind of right. like flipping a coin. You don't know what's coming, but you flip the coin and now there's meaning on the table. There it is. That means something. What do right. you feel about it? Right. And then the psychic will be sitting there interpreting the feelings. Absolutely. Very yeah. intuitive to the feelings for sure. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. It, it With that being the case, and obviously just kind of coming to grips with this, this is fairly new with me. I've actually spent, since I've seen you last or the last podcast, I've been very, very um, meditatively active. I haven't got a lot done technically, but I've been going inward and it does seem like um the old version of myself like i might have been way more sensitive than i realized and the way i was always pulling the energy up into my head was like a defense mechanism to not feel the feelings so as you're moving around from person to person, it's like, oh, this guy's angry and this guy's that and this guy's that. It's like, I don't have time to deal with all y'all's feelings. So I just make sure I keep the energy in my head where I'm telling myself a story the whole time. Man, that you're so on just me knowing you as as I mean, the listeners really don't know you as well as I do. But me just knowing you, I mean, you had the nail on the head. I mean, yeah. you've had that going on for and for you to realize I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty impressive, but that, that's what meditative work is all about. I mean, you just reveal so much, um, is it's just you and you, you just, you just watch yourself, you watch your inner workings, you, you re get things revealed that we're revealing because when that came down, I mean, it's a hundred percent true because when that came down, your emotions and your feelings were like super raw. It was, yeah. it was just out there. 
there was no defense mechanism at all. Yeah. That's one of the things that goes hand in hand with the ego. Yeah. And why your while why your ego construct construct was was different than a lot of people. I mean, the ego constructs are many different variations. Some egos are very, you know, they can be very emotional and invite feelings. And but yours was very intellectual, constructed to defend certain areas of your body, certain feelings. And it was yeah, it was it was a it was a masterpiece as far as a defense <laughs> as far as a defense mechanism, it right, was. Right. It's a perfect example of that style of ego. And the, there's a lot of people that have large egos and they still want to get in tune with their emotions and and their um but your ego contract was like complete defensive. Like you said, the way you described it is what I could see in you, but I, you just showed me what was going on. And that was, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. But that's why I like meditation because the things are, I mean, you, you can do nothing but look inward and kind of see how everything has, has worked for years and what, how you've gotten to where you've gotten how i've awakened and um i've actually had some good meditations uh yesterday and today my and uh the vibration levels are just insane with me um it's that super uh, moon yeah i'm just feeling a lot of vibration in my body and oh my goodness you were this was the craziest thing okay i meditated like a couple times today and the last one right before we started the show i was laying down on my back i'd already sat up down here and and i kind of took a nap but then i went upstairs and i was like i'm just gonna lay down on my back here for about 30 minutes and rest and i started to do this scan on my body i was doing it downstairs but then i I do it when I'm laying down too and with my feet and everything. And I got to my calves and my calves started rocking, but they weren't, they weren't, they weren't moving. They weren't moving. It was the energy. It oh was the energy. Gosh. Like, like this, it's I'm showing doing this. Like I'm rocking, but I'm not moving. That's, that's what the, in my calves, what it was doing when I got to them. And then I remember you saying yesterday, I was like, okay, we're going to rock. And I was like, okay, my calves are just going to rock. Let's rock. <laughs> I swear. But this was the motion. But you don't even, I, I mean, I didn't even have to move to get the rocking sensation. But it was so cool because the, the energy that's going through my body seems to be such at an intense level right now. And I can put my mind on it and it just dances around. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. And then when I get up into my head and my mind's eye, the breathing that I've incorporated with bringing in, once I get to that glow, um, whiteness, um, once I get to that, I look down the barrel of my nose, like almost like I cross eye almost. And when I cross eye, I'm looking down my nostrils. So it's almost like I'm, I'm, and I'm looking through my mind's eye and I'm looking at, you know, light and I pretty much got into where, 
you know, even if there's thought clouds going, they're going by, but they're not affecting me at this point. And then I do this number. I look down the barrel of my nose and I have this light glow and I just effortlessly breathe it in. And I'm I'm like, want to keep illuminating with a breath in and I'll do it all the way to the top and then I'll hold it as though I'm like inhaling a joint of light <laughs> and I'll just hold it at the top. Like it's like, I've just took a hit of a joint like, and then I'll go and I'll just keep doing it for like 10 times. I'm like, man, I'm like hitting the light. <laughs> so, We're going to have to make a movie spiritual Friday. <laughs> spiritual Friday. <laughs> I've incorporated that and it's really the breath thing has just come a long way for me because I'm not even sure if I, for beginners that you even introduce the breath because hyperventilation can happen so quickly that it almost is counterproductive, especially me in the beginning. It was all like body, hands, uh, mind's eye. And I, anytime I introduce the breath, it just, it just didn't go well. Now I have this, this complete effortless control. Even if I took 10 deep breaths in a row, that last breath, when it exhales, I would go right into a standard breathing. Like there's no hyperventilation can't even exist anymore. Wow. I can't even, I can't, I can't breathe myself into anything because the breaths are like, they're so perfect. They won't, they won't get affected by like hyperventilation, which I can't say that's always been true. But since the second second time that we went through this, or that's changed for me, yeah. because I introduced breath a lot, and I never, even when I used to listen to Eckhart Tolle after the first awakening, and he talked about breath. I, I was I, I almost said in the back of my mind, do you really want to talk about breath that much, Eckhart? Because it's the breath is the thing that, yeah, it's good. I get it. But, you know, you don't want America to be hyperventilating. I would say right. that to the TV. Right. <laughs> right. Now it's totally different. Yeah. So it's got, I'm hitting some pretty good levels of, of meditation. And I, I especially like, the and then for the listeners too man if you're like we are all busy but dang you you got so much time in the drive even if you drive 15 to work 15 minutes to work or an hour learn to meditate driving your car because you yeah. have so much downtime in your car yeah. that you can kill two birds with one stone while we're you know cuz that's the excuse of every beginner is i don't have time Right. I mean, yeah, I totally agree. The car ride is, and I, yeah, even in the truck all day, it's use that time wisely. I mean, we waste a lot of that time yeah. just in our, and especially if you can head. get yeah. to the awareness of what's going on in your head, like it's just nonsense. Like, um, put a stop to it. It's, it's hard to focus. It's, it's hard to focus on that thought if you're consciously breathing. And it's definitely kind of a kryptonite system with the breath there. No, I've introduced the breath and, and being aware of the hand on drives now to where I'm, 
um i'm pretty on point like i'll i'll if i'm not listening to like a book or uh especially if i'm going to you know a business meeting or something you know i'm the 15 minutes that i have on the way there i'm utilizing that time to to breathe and yeah. and 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 the misconception of meditation itself is every meditation is not perfect every meditation is not the same every meditation is not indian style on the floor every meditation is not in a straight back chair it's great for beginners but sometimes sometimes you do meditate on your back going to sleep too i mean sometimes that it, it it's just keeping that game out of your head as well because i know that game so well like don't play that game of did i do it right today don't yeah. play that game because it is yeah. that's all it is is a game yeah but the way you're talking i mean you'll slowly move it to just more like a discipline like a habitual discipline almost like smoking cigarettes or something where you Correct. just kind of you just kind of uh utilize and then look forward to that time that's coming and you know that look forward is interesting because we we spend a lot of time talking about the present moment and how important the present moment is and i'm certainly not about to speak against the present moment but i have sensed something um kind of interesting along that um smoking analogy I, the silence is deeper than, and I'm sure I'm not even all the way there yet, but the silence and the stillness, there's more to that than I realized. And what I mean is, you know, there could be an industrial setting, you know, with loud noises and I can actually be like in conversation. So like having to have a back and forth and not even necessarily getting angry, but you know, like maybe like a little bit less of that, just like agitation. Like, why am I dealing with this? Does that have anything to do with me? And it's loud and it's noisy and you're, you're having some kind of agitated. Um, maybe it's just like, you know, a morning meeting or whatever, but the silence is available inside always the silence in that step back, even when it's noisy, even when there's stuff going on, there's like a silence that step back creates space and silence inside. And with the smoking analogy, what I find myself doing is like banking it. So I'll step back. It's almost reminds me of like the demon trap. I'll step back and I'll just kind of like, okay, it's noisy. I'm agitated. You know, I'm going to go out. I'm going to be on my own today. So let's just watch all this happen. And I could even be talking, but I'm just going to let all that happen. All that can happen. And what I'm waiting for is that moment where I get outside where I'm going to be next to a tree and then I'm going to bring it out and I'm going to burn it. But what I'm looking to do is do it in front of the tree to see if I can start a little storm going in the other direction. Right. So you save it up and you're like, okay, 
breath. And when I say burn it, that's all it is, is breath. So like one breath. So you let it stay tight, let it stay tight. Like it's not, it's not anything I'm trying to do. It's just, I can feel it, but I'm not taking that breath yet. But I wait till I'm standing right next to the tree and then you know, a nice deep breath and you blow it out and then the wind hits the leaves and it's like, okay, I think I'm in time here. But it's like, it's like you're, you're playing one on the other and you don't have to, you know, go meditative right at that moment. You, the, the awareness is the key and you can save it up. Like, yep, that was a silly morning meeting. Like these people don't know what they're talking about. They, um, didn't send me on, but I know I'm one breath away when I'm ready and I'm going to get rid of that. And, um, the trees end up being so nice for me these days, especially if I'm, I mean, I've talked a lot about trees, but I'm even understanding them more deeply in terms of if there's something going on empathically, I mean, the tree is the most perfect thing in the world. I mean, it's complete perfection. It's still, it's silent, it's manifest form and spirit and everything that it needs is just delivered to it. I mean, it's the perfect thing to be empathic with. Yeah. The power of perceiving is, um, we were at that state park and there were some pretty nice trees there. Some old crepe myrtles that were just unbelievable. It takes a long time, kind of like Japanese maples for them to get as big as they were. Um, but you know, have you ever looked at a real diagram of the lungs? Like yes. what, what it, their branches. It's amazing. It's a tree. It's a tree. I agree. But we, we get the oxygen from trees like that communion with the tree in the universe that like people miss that. It's right under their nose. It's a mechanical connection for sure. A mechanical connection yep. right in front of us. Um, yeah, that the first spiritual teacher that I ever had, it's interesting. You, you talked about distractions when you're talking about meditating, because one of the piece, one piece of, of advice that he would, uh, offer during meditation was don't always do it in a quiet room. Yeah. Go turn the TV on, go what do it. What a great point. Yeah do it with distractions and learn how to meditate with distractions. And that yeah. was, such, that was a good, um, piece of advice back, back in the day. But you bringing that up made me think about that is cause there's not always the perfect quiet room. I mean, that's, um, I started to incorporate turning on techno music while I meditated just to see what that experience was all about. And it's pretty crazy yeah and i'm not even really trying to tune that music out i'm just trying to feel that music but just in general like go turn on like uh, a distracting tv show like that in the past you would think was really annoying and meditate with that on and practice it going in one ear and out the other without it hitting any bone in your body well you know techno is 
Techno's a great example because it has that mechanism is it in it where it's it's bringing you through highs and lows and yeah. if you can if you can sure. connect with the and I mean it's not very difficult to connect you can feel it raising you and um I think it's Osho yeah. that was he's talking about silence and he says there's two types of silence there's the silence that you're responsible for the silence that you create and then there's the silence that comes to you. And I think if you're practiced at creating your own silence, that makes you open for the silence to come to you. And practicing creating your own silence is done through stuff like listening to techno or listening to whatever and not counting on it to be quiet for your meditative practice, you know, being aware of it wherever you are throughout your day. You had some number stuff going on. Yeah. Um, this is a realm that I don't understand, but I'm very interested in. It's, it's, it's something that comes to me that I think I understand, but it gets rapid fire. And um, if I involve myself in it, it's everywhere all the time, one step in front of the other, like um, Tesla has a quote, that the secret of the universe is wrapped up in three, six, and nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I did some equations with the one, one, one and the two, two, two and three, three, three and dividing that every time you go up by three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18, 21, 24, 27, all the way up to nine, nine, nine. The outcome is always 37. So I'm like, okay, 37's got to be some particular meaning. And so I'm trying to figure out what 37 is. So, so I look it up as far as meaning and what those numbers mean. It just basically says the universe behind is behind you. Um, changes are coming. And I always get a lot of meaning out of numbers. And I'm, I'm not really sure why. And I kind of added in colors. That's when you talked about colors the other day. Um, but red and yellow is huge for me. Like I see red and yellow and numbers together. Even that thing that I sent you, that Tesla quote, it was red and yellow. I don't even know if you noticed. <laughs> I did. It was, it was red and yellow. Like what yeah. are the, um, but when I'm driving down the road, it happens a lot. I will not be in anything. And then, you know, I'll just be present and I'll be driving and I'll be like, well, let's just play with the universe. And, and, and then things just started happening after another. And then as soon as I pulled my head up, it's like red and yellow and numbers everywhere. It's just like clockwork all the time. And a lot in this past 24 hours, um, it's really been popping off pretty hard. So I don't, um, feel like something big is coming, coming. I, and I don't necessarily have a time frame for it, 
maybe not tomorrow or two weeks from now, but um, I just get that sense. And Patty is having, she's having major intensities as well. Um, and we just, you know, I'm, I'm seeing some, some visuals that I, I, I can't talk about on the program, but I'm, I'm seeing some stuff that it's coming down the pipeline and I'm seeing that in my mind's eye as they're popping up in, in my mind's eye. And that happened today. And I came downstairs and I told Patty and I'm just kind of in awe of the signs I'm getting right now. And, um, it just goes to, to, to show you like the power of our auras and what we put out projecting wise, not just like in a prayer or I'm talking about put yourself in your aura in your present and you're walking around. I just see like you're affecting the universe, just your being and then turn something on and, and say, I want to see something or it's there. It's there every single time. And it, and you're just, if I could like paint the picture, you're like in this big circular ball. And if you're present, you're just, everything's reacting around you. Everything's reacting, not in a negative way, but it's all perpetuating in itself to your aura and your projections. And other people can feel it. Other people could see it. Um, but you're attracting things that you don't know. You're, you're putting things out that are coming back to you that you're really unaware of. I mean, that's the, that's the part of the journey where the unraveling part of the journey is we talk about the negative a lot, but on the positive side, like why the journey never gets old it's because you're constantly discovering how godlike you are and how powerful you are yeah, like you today i feel like magic yeah i feel like 10 times more powerful today than i did yesterday like i'm yeah. always feeling like i'm being charged up and getting more knowledge and getting more understanding of who i really am and how much capability i have and that that's all about the journey that keeps it interesting because if you just woke up and you're like, okay, I mean, after a while you look at the trees, there's got to be some interaction and there is interaction. If you say you want interaction, there's immediately interaction. That's one of the, that's one of the easiest asks and receives that the Bible talks about is, Hey, I want some interaction. Okay. Go ahead and ask that. Ask for some interaction and see what happens if you're if you're present. You're going to get some interaction. That's one of the easiest things to do because it loves to interact. That's the whole purpose. I think a lot of number people, if they were receiving that much meaning from numbers, I think they can get caught and you can quickly put a stop to it by trying to like understand the meaning with those numbers. And I think what you do a good job of is just accepting the meaning. And then as soon as you accept the meaning, 
you kind of you slowly raise yourself vibrationally and then you're open to more meaning and then which slowly raises you to vibration and then you're open to more meaning so it's just it's this this pull up when you're just receiving meaning but you're not trying to interpret meaning yeah and i'm not I mean, I've never heard you like try to interpret what's going on with the numbers, but I've definitely talked to you many times and you're flying because the numbers and the colors have sent you pretty high. Yes. And there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot more detail in that. Um, and I'm not even so sure that, I mean, the, the color red and color yellow may, I mean, the significance of that for me i'm not saying like that's the that's the path what i'm saying is i've set something in motion as a godlike being that red and yellow are going to be my signs to interact with the universe i've set that up yeah and it happens all around me because i set that up you know what's and, so, and it's a perfect example with the people do it inadvertently all the time and they don't even understand what's going on. Right. But right. I set it up. Right. Yeah, I see that. The um we were talking earlier and I did a guided meditation on YouTube and it went through the rainbow and part of the part of the part of it was it wanted you to meditate on the color red and then meditate on the color yellow and then meditate on the color green. And so I have my eyes closed and I know I've seen color in my, but like that mechanism, like it wasn't, I was having a hard time creating that color, like on command. And it sent me on, a little bit of an investigative path but it's so funny because i was listening to something today like responding to myself trying to figure out more about colors and i don't i certainly didn't realize and i would imagine you haven't either but it goes into um the theory of perspective and color is very very closely related to music and when they go in and they try to understand the mind and how the mind interprets the senses, so how it comes up with it, like how does a bunch of vibrational sounds get interpreted as music? And the same thing, how does like a certain reflection of light get interpreted as a color? And when they scientifically study it, like they have a hard time understanding how it's interpreted that way. And most of the philosophical theories go something like this. Like there's stuff that we don't understand about perceiving and perspective yet. And the only thing, the conclusion that they're left with is that colors as well as music cannot be interpreted just by the sheer machinery of the human it's interpreted by the soul 
I got an experiment for you too, because I was starting to try the red. I, I was trying. I dabbled in that today in meditation. Yeah. But here's an experiment for you when you meditate. So you always. For me, it's like a light glow. Even if you're going go into a dark room and if there's light, I mean pitch black, close your eyes and you get a light glow. You really know. Now here's the experiment. Try to find complete blackness. Blacker than black. <laughs> yeah. Blacker than black because that, that blacker than black is black, black. And I've heard spiritual teachers describe that as the entity that they see um, because when they're meditating, if you're seeing that glow and everything turns to black, like black, black, and then in the instant it's gone, it's an entity clearing out. I don't know if I've ever gotten to black, black is what I'm trying to tell you, but it's a good experiment yeah. for people to do because if you can get the black, black, I think you're kind of exposing something inside of you. And I, it'd be interesting, interesting for you to, to try that. Cause the, the goal is always light. Um, but black, black is, like a black hole i mean yeah you get kind of it's not it's not going to get but i mean i've heard spiritual teachers describe it as they get to it and they see the black plaque and their hands turn the claws like the, the entity comes to life and then it just gets burned out of them see what i'm wow. saying yeah yeah like you find it i've heard teachers describe it as so blacker than black <sighs> oh god what is that hands claw up and then instantly gone i haven't experienced it before but when I, I i always check myself and i'm not saying that you would have anything like that in you but i'm just saying or or it is possible that you you know something got in you um because even being awake i mean you can things can still get inside of you they can still, they can still, oh, absolutely. They can still get in you and you not know where they come from. From, um, and then you meditate and you're like, wow, where did that come from? So it's a good, like even my dream last night, like the, yes, where the did that come of, from? Yeah, yeah, the amount of anger in that dream was unbelievable, unbelievable anger. And it's so, it's either one, you say, okay, I'm laying next to my bed and you say, I'm just empathic. And I, I interpreted because the same way, like with my daughter and the anxiety, the emotion gets interpreted the way I would do it. So she's anxious about something coming up next week and she leaves. And, but I'm anxious about like something that's real to me. Like, I'm anxious about some something from work next week, but I, I noticed immediately. I'm like, wait, a I wasn't anxious about work and I have no reason to be like, there's nothing there. So what is happening? But the same thing. 
with my wife, you're laying there and, and you're having something that she's had before, but that triggers that emotional ride. The way I interpret it is a huge anger spike. I don't know if she interprets it that way, but that's the way I interpreted it. And it was just so weird to see anger. Yeah, the entity, so wanted to, the entity wanted to feed. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, that 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 is real anger. I mean, the universe wouldn't know the difference between that anger and any other anger. Right. And so it was able to like take a bite of anger with going behind my authority. When you Sneaky were asleep. Bitch. When you when were I was asleep. asleep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it Sne can. Sneaky bitch. <laughs> so it's got it. Yeah. There's no end to, to it trying to get in. Uh, Seriously, so a certain degree. Uh, yeah, because you still have cells. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're to a certain point that you see it and you don't even recognize it. And that's the whole point of a spiritual awakening is that, yeah, those those are at this point, they become so you become so objective to it that, you know, you have that bubble around you, even though something was inside you. I mean, as soon as you wake up, you're going to see it for what it is. And I mean, do you? you see yourself ever getting caught in a trap like that again? I mean, I, I don't, maybe for a limited amount of time, but nothing long-term for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to happen. I can't see it when I'm, I mean, cause I mean, I was literally asleep. <laughs> right. So I, I can't see how it happens when I'm conscious. Um, but it, it was, I mean, it's full, it's charged of emotion, it's full of emotion, but I mean, I don't even look at it as a negative experience. I just look at it as like, wow, like just an observation of the mechanism. Like that bitch came and took a bite out of my anger while I was sleeping. Impressive. Very impressive. All right. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> so what was the name of the book that I started to listen to? Oh yeah, that's the um that's Dr. Linda Howe. And she is what like, records? What's the name of that? Let me see. Akashic. Akashic. Okay. Akashic Records. She's the um she's seems to be the authority on it. And I very she much just name that herself or no, no it goes back. It's ancient. It goes back. I mean, the, I mean, before Christ. I mean, it goes way back. So she's saying, like the Akashic records, that you have a specific record to tap into. I like individual, or are these Akashic records? Collective? Not only that, people, places, pets. My favorite trees. Really can tap into specific anything. to you like she's saying you specific can tap to into that your, tree to your own records and I, i'm gonna specific I'm gonna explain, to me i'm gonna explain something to you that i don't understand 
and it it can happen to me periodically. Um, and I, you know, obviously, I don't think we need to get hung up on the on the word or Akashic record records. I mean, because it's all. Hold on, I lost you. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yep. How long did it go? Because just right meet... in there. So how did it meet myself? I I never had. <laughs> I had the pin in my hand the whole time. Holy! I swear to God, I I've just been sitting here talking. Are you Akashic kidding? Records is powerful. Yes. <laughs> so this pops up and you know i have to be keenly aware of what pops up in my mind's eye in particular situations and and this pops up and i don't know what it is i don't know what it is i can't tell you what it is i'm perplexed at what it is i think i've told it to you once in my life and asked if you ever seen this i think it was before your awakening and i'm gonna try to describe it to you but i've done it and i've seen it's in the mind's eye okay and i've been in meditative situations before to where i see a beautiful landscape but i can't hold it for maybe more than two seconds maybe two seconds i want to but i can't hold it it's one of those things where you look at it's almost like a bad thought you look at it objectively it disappears too but it's a perfect beautiful image but i can't i can't sit it there but there's something that also happens in my mind's eye that i can't explain and a lot of times it's in meditation and describing it to you you know when you have a deck of cards and you just well they gotta have pictures on it but if you just fluttered them and you saw different images coming at you you know you see the different numbers on the card yeah when when a magician's like the cards yeah yep. you see the diamond the clubs now imagine those are all images or pictures that you don't recognize they're going rapid fire very vivid like i'm seeing pictures i don't know what they are they're not relatable to me they're not they're not memories in this life of me they're going rapid fire and i'm seeing them in my mind's eye and i can't relate them to anything i mean right when you say that the first thing that comes to mind is the akashic records are calling to you i mean you have to do you remember when i told that to you before you awakened? I even asked that question to you before. I was like, has yeah. this ever happened to you? Yeah. Because I don't recognize the images. And what do you do with that? Okay, they're calling to me. Okay, I'm seeing images that I don't recognize. So how how is how am I going to get to the point where I have some kind of recognition or recollection of what this is? So what it was funny because I kind of, I mean, obviously like we're fairly aggressively pushing in the spiritual direction. So, I mean, that kind of takes up a lot of like my entertainment time and stuff. And I kind of just ran into it, um, this weekend and I finished uh, Linda Howe's book already. Um, and she's got a bunch of books. I only finished one, but when I first heard it, I just thought it was interesting because 
like I think for you and I right now, like we could we could go over it. Like we have some absolute truths. So God is everything. I am God. You are God. This desk is God. I mean, God just permeates all of existence. I mean, as soon as you say I exist, you're saying I'm God. There's not really a difference there. We're all connected. So this is the absolute truth that that we've come to understand. But with that truth and that experience of God in terms of finding yourself with the cup with your cup empty, you know, your ego dissolves and therefore you're going to get filled up with something. I mean, we didn't see it coming and okay, this I'm filled up with something along the lines of the entire universe. It's the alpha and the omega. The alpha and the omega means I was here before and I'll be here after. And that's just something that is shown to you once you once you break through and you have an awakening experience. And then you realize another one of our absolute truths is there's time and we're in time, but where we come from, there is no time. There's no time where we come from. Now, if all of that is right, and I know you and I both think it is, and I mean, we're not even necessarily trying to convince anybody. I mean, that's just, I mean, we, we've joined a club and that is kind of the, that's the awakened spiritual position. And that's our absolute truth there. That means that reincarnation is going to be very, very likely. Like if I was here before and I'm here after, and then what's the point of reincarnation? So that means the meaning of life is to be spirit, take form, and then through that form, learn to understand yourself again as spirit. So you're going to have progress through each of these lives. And what is progress? Progress is becoming better and better at understanding that you are actually God. Every time you're manifested as form, can you understand that you are God? I think she said it so well, too. And this this hit me hard. Dealing with the reincarnation subject was that we're all trying to get to the level of soul experience in human form in the earth dome that we know, but it takes many lives to do it. Yes. And if you look around, we're pretty new. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But there could, I, I mean, I'm in the firm belief that there's a lot of places in the universe that are probably way far advanced in living and they can live in human form and not out of the realm of possibilities that there's a, obviously a different human experience where you experience human as though you're just completely bliss your whole life. You know, you're born into that perfect planet, so to speak, where the souls yeah. are all, um, 
worked their course to get to that point. I mean, it's got to be places like that. Um, but where we're at, you, I mean, you can definitely tell we're in the infancy stages of of awakening and coming to that awareness just because of the massive amounts of people that are asleep. But it hit me so hard when she said it takes many lives and forms to get to the point of realizing who we are. And yes. that's, that's huge. Cause we know who we are outside of time, but we want to have that experience in a physical sense. Like we want to give that to ourselves. We want to give that to ourselves so we can relate to people and manifesting have- God in form manifesting God in form to have some type of different experience. You have a more of a touch, a physical, because in that other form, the formless, I imagine it's just, you know, complete bliss like, but there's no experience. And even before we were awakening, I think I think we are on to the subject of having to go around in circles, so to speak, they'll keep leveling up, leveling up, leveling up on the soul level. And then, you know, it's kind of starting that all over just to, to um, experience it all over again. There's something to do with the experience and the infinity and the eternity of it that we want to continue to experience it. Because it's like experiencing love all over again. And we know that in the formless, but in the form, it's constant improvement. Constant like leveling up. Right. Yeah, so it's it's the next logical step. I mean, and she actually does a good job. She goes over the absolutes. And uh, she does a good job going over the absolute, the absolute truths. And there's, there's a bunch of different ways. I mean, I would, um, a bunch of different ways people are exploring that. And I mean, the, the, her her way is called the pathway prayer so it's basically just a spoken declaration and intent to engage your own akashic records and then if you do it's almost i mean it's it parallels any other prayer it puts you in a in a system in a meditative state where you can just specifically ask um You can specifically ask for whatever you want. Like for me, it was interesting because I was taking it very, very slow. I was, um, so that's actually the color um, guided meditation that I was talking about. It was an Akashic Records uh, meditation. And I was taking it very, very slow. I had said before, like, I'm, I'm not going, I'm going to practice a few times before I get into like big, huge questions. But when they, 
asked me to meditate on the colors and I was having a hard time picturing the colors in that meditation. So I did ask out loud, like, help me see, help me see the colors. And um, that did create some interesting stuff. Like I end up, there's this guy beam on Twitter that uh, we followed and followed back. And I just went to his page and it was his pinned tweet. It was, was you need to practice how to see better. And it had like some kind of visual to like train your eyes. And it's, it was just, man, it was so coincidental that, I mean, I, I don't even think in those terms that anymore. So like my skepticism is kind of gone after awakening. So I'm, I just accept it as, you know, receiving an answer. So it didn't happen right at that moment. But then I started to realize, oh, there might be like a system like where I can put some effort into understanding this and I could actually have my eyes see better. And then that gets weird when you're out in the real world, because like, it seems like just asking the question, like, I feel like I was seeing more than I normally do in terms of like aura and stuff like that. Still no color, but um, I'm definitely starting to notice like a little bit of a hue around the trees, um, especially like the smaller trees and the smaller flowers that are that are blooming, um, you know, that I can get really close to. Like they definitely seem to be like projecting a little bit of a hue out that's like beyond their physical boundaries. And I mean, I've never noticed that before. I mean, so it did kind of feel like a direct question and answer. So you remember when I was telling you I'll project something out and yes. in the moment that the answer comes, I get the mental image of the question in my mind's eye. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it always happens to me, something to stay aware of, but reading here, the records are typically accessed through a prayer called the pathway prayer. The prayer is a vibrational frequency composed of specific sounds that allow you to access the Akashic records. Specific sounds. Does she talk about that? Like words or sounds? No, it's sounds. Like sounds. Um, like sounds that you would make? Yes. So it is words. But I mean, but words are sounds. And I don't know if you you know like the sounds that we make like it's kind of like one of those phone conspiracy theories like the sound that we make with our voice is more more of a specific identification than even our fingerprints no like but that makes sense i mean the the the, the exact vibration, the vibration. Yes. is exactly right. us like Correct. cannot be anybody else and then only yep. we can make that sound and it's actually it's more accurate than fingerprints that's why everybody's like when you talk with your phone and shit like they know exactly who you are just curious of what the specific sounds are talking about i mean basically no, they're talking they, about your your own personal tone of your voice in the prayer so what i think this is is what I should dive deeper in, but I think I've been doing this for, I feel like when you're in a meditative state and I've always used the word project, like project out 
just don't like using the word prayer because it's had so many misuses. Um, but when I project out in a space where I'm vibrating, say, for example, like you're meditating and you get to the level of I'm breathing in the light, like I'm vibrating at a vi very high frequency. Correct. Yeah. And asking a question at that point is like super powerful. And it, it, it it's, it's one that you put out there that, you know, it's going to come back. You just don't know when and don't know if it's tomorrow or two weeks from now, but there will be an answer at, at some point. But I think that's what this is. No, you're exactly right. And it is that, but it's also, it's a little bit more than that. It's, um, for one, one of the asks, if you can specifically ask with the Akashic records is it's, especially if like there's some new type of pain, like I actually felt some weird kind of pain this weekend. I haven't talked about yet. Not, I mean, we don't have to go into it, but you can ask to understand if this is coming from something on the soul level so is so like if i have a bad headache and it doesn't go away and i don't understand like why my bad headache isn't going away something like more physical like that where we might actually get to the point where we don't even consider it spiritual anymore we consider like medical but you could go to the akashic records and you could see like is there anything i need to work through here and maybe like there's an axe that you took to the head in another life and you can break through that pain there and now you've broken through a pain that's related to you but it isn't even in this form but what that is is um that ends up being acquisition so I'm a Harry Potter fan. I'm sure there's lots of Harry Potter fans out there, but Voldemort, like one of his, his, his mechanism is when he kills, he splits his soul. And then of course he's, he hides his soul in objects in order to make himself immortal in his grand plan. This is the exact opposite of that. This is asking the Akashic records. I mean, a breakthrough pain is one way you don't even need the pain. You could just open yourself up to the Akashic records and see if there's anybody that wants to work with you, but it's not anybody. It's another version of you. So maybe there's another version of me out there that committed suicide at a young age. And I can confront his pain, which is my pain, and then he has the choice to merge with me. Now he gets the experience of coming into me and understanding my love of life. And I would get the experience of strengthening my soul. It's the exact opposite of the Voldemort Harry Potter deal. It's yeah, integrating it's your soul. Yeah, I want to further investigate it for sure, because I don't know if it's tied to those images that I see. And the only issue I have with those images is I can't slow them down and I can't hold them. And I, I wish I could record them and play them. Um, and you could see because it's astounding. Um, 
but I, I'm gonna have to figure out with this new knowledge if if there's something I need to work on there because I I don't know where it comes from, but it comes from somewhere, and I've I've got a so for, and I, I really wish I could hold some of those really good images longer too. I mean, I've seen some really scenic stuff. Um, and I can't almost like you're flying through the air and like this most beautiful scenic mountain range that you'd ever imagine, even prettier than the Rockies. And then I can't hold it there. It's just like, psh, oh, there you got a little snippet. That's it. Yeah. I think you have to, um, I mean, just imagine a little bit like we're talking about the other worlds. Yeah. I mean, imagine like the, infinite nature of like what your soul experience could be and then so you could have like a long historical timeline where there's many like spiritual healers that are in there but they're dormant but what happened with you and i especially recently is there's this rapid raising of the vibration and now we're just sitting there humming at this higher vibration it's almost like ringing a dinner bell for like that healing ancestry that could be behind us so now that there's a point there's a point in time where we could draw on that energy it could be pushing from the other side just as eager to get here as we would be eager to accept it. And then why would that be important? I mean, and we've talked about this and we've talked about the podcast. So, I mean, you imagine like you and I are like one point of light and we can start to vibrate on a more consistent level. But then there's other points around the world in this time, in this space that are also raising their vibration. I mean, if enough of us raise our right vibration, do you then raise the vibration of the entire timeline? And now, I mean, that's the totally a new earth. I mean, that's what they all talk about is, can we raise the vibration to an entirely new timeline? That's the ultimate question. Yes. And there's been, I mean, I guess if you look at it from time space it looks like a whole lot's not been accomplished but really in the last 20 30 years there has been a massive awakening yeah there has been and it's 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 pretty cool to see in our lifetime but i think it's it has started and and i don't know how far along we are but I think that massive awakening has already started and things are in motion um, in the right direction. It's just me or you looking at things, we, we think of in terms of like just on a human level, like everyone would massively awake at the same time if you saw Eckhart Tolle on you know, Oprah for a year. Uh, and my expectation was super high. I couldn't believe it. 
but there was many thousands of seeds that were planted as well. Like it's yeah. just, it doesn't happen overnight. Like it has begun. Like yeah. it, for example, me, there was a massive seed planting in me 20 years ago. I had an awakening that you could say that maybe I wasn't ready for because I wasn't going to do anything with it for 20 years. But it was a seed that no one would ever take from me, and it was constantly flowering. Yeah, it was constantly. It was. It was. It was still never ending. It was still a journey I was on. It was still. I mean, to but it, everything was in motion. Right. Everything was in motion twenty years ago. It just evolves, and it takes time on levels that we're not really aware of. Um, outside of time and space and now to this point in our lives and i kind of blown away because when i look at us and i look at the world and there there is kind of a massive awakening going on people yeah, are can, tired of suffering they don't want to suffer anymore yeah you can see it in kind of a yin yang sense as well um if you look at the opposition, I mean, I think a, another one of the absolute truths is our attention is one of the most important resources that we have. And the system is just learning and getting better and better at stealing people's attention. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it, It's just swelling on the other side. So it almost has to be, you know, the, the opposition to that would be people either breaking under the stress of that or specifically turning away from that or understanding that that's just causing more emotional turmoil and pain. So, uh, yeah, I think you can see it clearly with, um, I mean, just a level of anger and emotion that's everywhere now. I yeah. mean, you, you go back to the Chris Rock slap. I mean, there's been multiple times. I mean, there is like huge waves of collective consciousness anger that just waves over the population. It seems like it happens all the time now. Well, yeah, the I mean, I, I, I hate using mass shootings as an example. I, I mean, I, I really wish we had another example, but they always pop into my mind because it creates that anger emotion. Yeah. And there's nothing more easily to be angry about than innocent people getting slaughtered. Yeah. It's so easy to be angry at that. And that's an anger wave that for some reason it perpetuates more and perpetuates yeah. more. And it has... Uh, it has momentum, it has its own thing going on there, but it's, I mean, that's, that's a difficult one <laughs> for sure, because you, you, you want to be angry when you, when you see that and right. How, I mean, how do you tell parents not to be angry at, at that as, as that's a tough one. No, it's definitely a tough one. I mean, that's, that's 
what I mean, though, I mean, you can kind of see, I mean, if with the yin and yang, I mean, there yep. almost has to be an opposite to that. A breaking point. Yeah. yeah. And there has to be stuff lining up on the other side. Correct. There has, I mean, so the way I see it, like, that's what yep. I thought was so interesting about just the idea of the Akashic Records. Like, I don't know anything about it. I'm definitely interested. I've already read one book. I'm sure I'll re read more. I'm interested in uh, moving forward with it, but it's what it's offering is recognition of like us and recognition of others, like those who are willing to stand for the light, those who are willing to stand and and claim, I will stand for the light. It looks like according to that theory that there's like an infinite army of white light that is just ready to fortify you. I mean, that's what they represented to me, which was, I was just like, wow, that is cool because I can definitely like what you were just saying, see it all stacking up against us. And I mean, and it seems at times like, we don't have a chance but then when you apply something like this theory it's like oh yeah like what are we talking about as if we know like the limitations to the spiritual process <laughs> like there there could be so much support there that it evens everything out i mean it we it's the second coming of christ i mean it's the christ i was just about to say that yeah the say you you were the i don't know where a lot of the metaphors come in the bible or but the second coming is definitely consciousness to exactly that was the prediction that was the prediction that jesus made that that he would be back and when you open up the bible and you read a verse and then shut it and you relate to it and you know the oneness of who he was and who you are you immediately know what the second coming is all about and it's it's not about um doing certain things in this life for a destination um and it was really beautiful because you 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 were the epitome of the second coming. Like, if there's not a confirmation of a massive awakening, is the second coming is is happening um, like rug pulls? Yeah, they're happening like rug pulls, and that's more of you know i understand like it happening like a thief in the night you never had any idea or was suspecting that day i called you to talk about stocks and crypto and like a thief in the night the rug was pulled yeah and then the the metaphors of you know the the people that are being pulled you are being pulled out of the world it's not being pulled out 
like shooting into space into heaven and then all the ugly rotten people stay here that's right. not what the second coming is about you were pulled out of the world and now you have to be in the world with worldly people yeah but also hey could you pass it on but there's battles and battles and battles just like the bible talks about right. i mean there's battles and wars to be fought because you're in the battleground but you were pulled out yeah but it wasn't pulled out of the hood of your car and it wasn't because you went to church every sunday yeah the rapture isn't what we thought it was no this is it yeah and it's mind-boggling because the misuse of stories is baffling it's so blinding and so untruthful and so worthy of being exposed. Maybe that's why we have a show called The Backwards, in fact. <laughs> it's so worthy Amen, of being, being exposed. Uh, but it's, it's a sight to see. And I, I can't believe I'm a part of it on this level. Um, I've always asked the right questions, even though I wasn't awake. So for the listeners out there, all the, the seek and you will find it's totally true, but not necessarily like, you know, in the sense that you're thinking about, it's just seeking is keep asking those questions, keep asking those questions with a pure heart. And eventually the answers will come back to you just like seeds. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice. Even if you're not awake, if you're asking questions with a pure heart, maybe you want to be enlightened. Maybe you want to be awake or you don't know how. Well, just ask the questions with a pure heart. You can still have a pure hearted question. See what comes back. And that's, it's the only message that I could possibly see. I mean, I used to do that. I used to yeah. throw out questions, you know, and I didn't know what the hell I was throwing out. I would just throw them out there. Hopefully something was going to come back. But I knew it wasn't like in the traditional ways I had been taught. Yeah. The rapture is definitely interesting because it's uh, right there under our noses. And people are suffering right as we as we look at it, just the way the story goes. It's just not on the it's just not on the level of the way storytellers embellish stories um got to keep your eyes open cuz it seems to be right here well said getting tired that's over 2 hours we can sign off tonight it's good man 